Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. Listen now for God's word to you this morning. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples met were locked for fear of the other religious people, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you. We thank you that you are present in our being, that you are present in our becoming, that you are present in our believing, and that you are present in our disbelief. We thank you that you are the reality which is greater than all that is. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for meeting us where we are. We thank you for the power within us that can claim what we need. Now may you put into my mouth the words you would have me speak and take from my mouth those you would not. Last week, as I started preaching, and I talked about the story of Mary and Jesus in the garden, and I said, I got to say that this is one of my favorite stories of scripture, and then followed it up by saying, I think I've said that a lot. (laughs) I realized that I was going to say the same thing again today, and that um, I love this story of Thomas, and I love the story of Thomas and Jesus and the disciples. I love what it teaches us here today. I love the very humanity that comes through. And what I find is that as I go back and I read scripture, lately, really in the last couple of years, as I've I've talked about a lot, as I've really been on this journey of healing and of wholeness and of 
peace, I realize is what I'm looking for, a sense of awareness and presence to what is. And what I'm finding then is the way that the presence of God seems to be so very present through everything as I start to pivot my mindset, that I read scripture in a different way, which is not surprising. How we view things and how we approach the world is going to inform how we engage with everything. And because of our relationship with scripture, or because of my relationship with scripture, I think as I, I think about scripture as a living document that bears witness to the living abundance of God, but something that is alive to every time and place, even if it was written at a particular time and place. So what I find is that as I read scripture, I go in with this excitement and this energy of show me where you are, God. And it makes it a lot easier to read difficult texts, but I also find that when we say, show me where you are, God, God answers, which is wild. And that's what I love so much about this story today, is that I think so often the way that we've read it is this story of Doubting Thomas. We talk about it. He's got a whole name, right? Don't be a Doubting Thomas. Don't be a Doubting Thomas. You need to believe. You need to believe. Don't be a Doubting Thomas. There's a certain amount of shame, I think, that we hold when we think about Thomas. And yet I think it's important, again, like as we read all of these texts, to sit and look and see what really happens there. Because Jesus has no shame for Thomas. Jesus has no shame for anyone. There are times when he may say, shame on you for the way that you are acting with regard to particularly the poor and those who are disenfranchised and marginalized. Those are wake-up calls when Jesus is saying, get yourself here because you're missing the abundance of God. Even then, Jesus isn't shaming people. He is inviting them into more. But I think we miss that so often because our society uses shame in so many ways. Even when we get into healing spaces, how often do you catch yourself saying, I should do this more. Oh, I really should rest more. I really should prioritize my own health more. I really should do, do, do. But what I find with shoulds like that is that a lot of times those shoulds can actually prevent me from doing the thing I say I should do. Because what happens is that if I tell myself I should do it, then there's an understanding acknowledgement there that I'm not doing it. So I might as well say I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not resting, I'm not healing, and then what happens is that my reality is that I'm not. Does that make sense? How we say things, the narrative that we repeat in our head over and over again has traction. That's how we start to see the world. I think I've said at some point that in, I think it was December of 2018, so this takes time, right? That I started singing love songs to myself in the mirror. And I remember specifically it was around Christmas because it was Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. If there's anything that can get you to sing in the mirror, it's Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. But what I found is that now as we're here in 2023, when I look in the mirror, I actually love who I see. But it takes time. I wouldn't have said that in 2018. Not honestly. I would have said I want to love myself. I should love myself. So then I just started saying I love myself. I started saying I love you to the person in the mirror because I wasn't quite ready to say I love myself. But that's a process. 
So in this story, what I love is that, for one thing, Jesus never shames Thomas. Thomas says, this is what I need to see these things. Now, mind you, when, when Thomas says, I want to see the marks in his hands and in his side, those were the exact things Jesus showed the disciples as marks. So Jesus said to them, I'm going to show you these things. Thomas said, I want to see these specific things, these things that Jesus showed you exactly. And they're like, no, you doubt. You doubt, right? No. And so, but he's naming what he needs. The disciples don't actually give him any grief either, right? They don't, nobody gives anybody any grief. In fact, if anything, when you can see a week later when Jesus appears to them for the second time, the door is still locked. It's shut. It names that it was locked the first time. They were afraid, right? The second time, it names that it's still, sh- it says shut, but Jesus gets through anyway. It makes a point of saying, even though this is a door that you should not be able to cross through, Jesus makes a way of showing up anyway. They're still afraid. Now, if they were fully believing, wouldn't that door be wide open? If we were fully believing, wouldn't that door be wide open? So I think we can give Thomas a little bit of grace. In fact, I think if there's anything that we can give these days, it's a little bit of grace. I think especially to ourselves. Because as I think about this, as I think about naming what I need and naming what you need, and even this morning as, we're, as I was reading this book to kids, kids know how to do that, right? Because a lot of us have taught our kids how to do that, even though a lot of us maybe weren't taught how to do that. And this is not a, this goes, this is way, way back. This is a new thing for us to say, we want to teach our kids how to do that. This is a new thing. This isn't about shaming. This isn't about parenting. This is not about shaming. This is not about shaming. I'm sorry to tell you. I'm sorry because shame is an easier emotion to go to because it keeps you feeling like crud. And we have a society that's been built by telling us that we shouldn't feel bad, we shouldn't have a hard time. Oh, you want to do that? There's an easy fix for that. There's an easy fix. Just take whatever you need to take, drink what you need to drink, watch what TV you need to watch, get the right job, get the right spouse, get the right thing, you can do that. You don't ever have to feel a thing, just keep go, 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 going. This is centuries in the making. So this is not a blaming thing. But this is recognizing that we have this whole society that doesn't give us space for reflection or contemplation, and yet we only experience the abundance of God when we get ourselves into that space of reflection and contemplation. So it's almost like our whole society is built up to prevent us from actually experiencing God. Not intentionally. Not intentionally. Because we want to try to do our way into being with God, right? We want to try to say, just believe, just do it, just do it, just follow, just trust. But hold on a second. I think Thomas is offering us the invitation to actually sit with disbelief. To sit, not just with disbelief, but to sit with that space where you name, I want to know and I want to believe and I want to see God manifest before me. Because that's really what Thomas is saying. Because Thomas has seen a whole lot of miracles already. So he's saying, if this is what you are saying, then I will say, give me this thing. Now Jesus says to him, blessed are you even though you did not believe. You are still blessed. Blessed are those who do not see and yet still believe. Blessed are those 
who do not see and yet still believe. So just a hint, that's us, right? That's us. That was written for us. As John closes, he says there were many more signs and miracles that were done here, right? If we put them all in this book, he closes out the gospel by saying, we put them all, you couldn't read them. There are too many books to fill of all of the miracles Jesus has done. But I've shown you this because I know that you can't see for us Jesus's physical body was here once. We cannot see the wounds in his side and his hands. So what Jesus is saying is here is that resurrection is something you're invited to believe in and to see everywhere. That it's not just about this time with these hands and this side, but it's about believing that resurrection is possible everywhere you look. He defeated death. He was resurrected so that we would know that death does not have the final say. And I got to say, when we give in to shame, when we give in to fear, when we do all of those things, all of those browbeating things, we are giving death that final say. We're closing that door. We're locking it away. Now, what's hard there is to say, well, how to approach that? Well, don't do that without a sense of shame. But here's the thing, is that Jesus isn't browbeating us. He's inviting us. He's not saying you have to do this to experience God. He is saying you get to do this to experience God. You get to do this. You get to slow down. You get to actually breathe. You get to heal. You get to do less. We are busy, 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 busy people. And so then when you say, I want to heal, if only I had time, think about what you're saying there. Think about what you're saying. I want to heal if only I had time. Friends, make the time to heal. Make the time because you are worth it. You are worthy. And ask for what you need. I don't know about you, but for me, as I moved through my, my healing journey, I realized at the beginning, I wouldn't know what I needed. If someone said, what do you need? I would have said, I don't know what I need. I don't know. I need to, I don't know. I don't know what I need. No one's asked me what I need. What do you mean, what do I need? Gently offer yourself the opportunity to consider that there is another way of engaging with the world. One that is far more gentle. One that is not punitive. One that is not shame-filled. One that does not want to punish. But one that only beckons and invites one that really only sees you in love. Only sees you in love. But here's the thing, until you start telling yourself that you're worthy of love, you're not going to believe it from anyone else. Not even from Jesus. And that's the thing, is that I think about how I've learned to love myself, I have also learned to accept the love of God in a very real and practiced way, not in a way that is up here, but in a way that allows me to sit down and to spend time with what is and to know that everything is beckoning me to see how much I am adored. All of creation is beckoning you to see how much you are adored. And that can be hard to unlearn because we start to see how deeply that feels contradictory to something. 
There is absolutely no way to escape the love that is God. God is literally in and through every single thing, including you, including me. So as we move through this season of Easter, each week I want to be inviting you ways to consider where we bear witness to resurrection. Not just the resurrection, but I mean the, like the, T-H-E-E, resurrection, right? To resurrection as it happens everywhere. And this week, the thing that keeps coming up is it appears when we name what we need. Sometimes when we hit that point, when we're so desperate that we're like, I don't even know. When you're so, sometimes it, it takes desperation to hit that point of transformation. If it takes desperation, let yourself be desperate. Let yourself long for the love of God and for the healing that is beckoning you. I guarantee you that desperation leads to transformation. Name what you need. Claim the holiness that is within you and know that the holiness that is beckoning you just wants to enliven that. Name what you need. You are worth it. You are worthy. You are beloved. Amen.